subject of holiness in Hebrews is great and big, but we thought that all right, rather than ram everything in in one episode, we should give ourselves the liberty to have it in two episodes. So the episode today is the first of a two-part series of holiness in Hebrews. Again, you are welcome to this podcast. As we look at the book of Hebrews, it is important for us to begin by asking the question, to whom was it written? Now we're going to deal with that in as much as it affects the nature of Christian holiness, or at least one way of understanding Christian holiness. And that's important. We do not know the author for sure, but it is pretty clear and almost universally agreed on by scholars. Now the book of Hebrews was written to believers who were beginning to experience persecution. Persecution that was of such magnitude that they were probably contemplating going back to their previous Jewish faith. And the writer of Hebrews goes against that or discourages that for many reasons. The important one of being the fact that Christ is a superior sacrifice. You see the word superior or better than. When you read Hebrews, you saw that Christ is better than angels, better than Moses, better than Aaron and the Levitical priesthood, better than the temple, the tabernacle, as well as the sacrifices. In other words, the writer of Hebrews was warning the people, do not go back. There's no need to because you are in a better place, regardless of what is going on. These people are Christians. The writer describes them as holy brothers and sisters, chapter 3, verse 21. And then he calls them partakers of the heavenly calling. And people who have a high priest, and then he exhorts them in chapter 6, verse 1, to go on to perfection. And then he talks about have the boldness to enter the holiest place. Chapter 10, verse 19. And they were to draw near with a true heart in full assurance. 10, 22. To hold fast their profession, 10.23. They want to maintain their confidence, 10.35. They must accept chastening as God's children, 12.6-11. And of course, that verse we know so well. Follow peace with everyone. And the holiness, I deliberately put the article there because in the Greek, the article is there. And the holiness without 
which no one shall see the Lord. That tells you and me the importance, the indispensable necessity of seeking after the face of God for purity, for holiness, for cleansing. But before we get into all that, the point we're making is this. These exhortations are to people who are regenerated. These are people who are regenerated. They have known the Lord. In the parlance of today, they were born again. These are believers in Christ. These are people that are known by God and people that know God. They are to go on to holiness. Why is that so significant? It's significant because we need to make a distinction between salvation, our initial experience. When we come to Christ, we use different languages. We call it justification. We call it conversion. We call it different names. But that initial encounter with Christ is not to be confused or collapsed with holiness that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. They are regenerated. They are people of God. But then they are to go on to holiness. They have to have the boldness to enter into the holiest. And they are encouraged to draw near with a full heart. You see, holiness is important in this book. And it's taught in various ways. And that's why we felt it's important for us to have two episodes. It is taught by the deep meanings of words that are used. It is taught by exhortation, and it is taught by symbolism. I mean, typology, Paul, sorry, forgive me about that, because I'm used to teaching Paul, so I alluded to Paul. Paul did not write Hebrews, okay? It is specifically taught by the writers, by the writer of Hebrews, writer of Hebrews, that going to Canaan, possessing Canaan and the Tabernacle is almost akin to our Christian experience of sanctification where we enter into the rest. Now, let's begin, at least for today, let's look at holiness as taught by various words. Now, some things to note before I get on, before I move on. The meaning of a word in the New Testament requires four things, at least four things, before we can actually get it. Number one, you know, what is its basic meaning? Number two, what its meaning in use? Especially, how does an author use that same word elsewhere? Number three, the grammatical form of the word. What is the tense, the mood, and all that. Number four, which is most important now, the context. You look at the context of the word. Then you'll be able to arrive at a meaning that is sensible and that probably coheres with the passage you're looking at. There are various words used for holiness in Hebrews. 
we have the Hagios word and this cognates and the word holy. Basically, we have three words. Agiazo, holy, agiasmos, sanctification, hagiotes, which could mean sincerity, sanctification as well. So you have that group, those group of words. And then you have another group of words that relates to cleansing, basically two, katharizo and katharos, which means to cleanse, to purify. And of course, we have the word teleios, teleiotes, teleio, which means basically to perfect, to complete. And of course, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, where we find the word sozain, to save, to the uttermost, is able to save to the uttermost, to the fullest extent of salvation. I mean, that's almost parallel. If I may dare say, or let me put it this way, it, that passage expresses the same sentiment that Paul expresses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, where he prays that the God of peace will sanctify the believers wholly, or laws, body, soul, and spirit, and preserve us blameless until the coming of Christ to sanctify wholly. Since we're looking just at the grammar of holiness in Hebrews today, let's talk a little bit about each of those. We find agiazo. The word agiazo, which in its basic meaning is to set aside, to hallow, to separate, to make holy. Now, usually people focus on the idea of consecrate, separate, so that you can be used by God. But then the, past, the, the word talks about holiness in different ways. That word agiazo is used both of persons and things. In chapter 9, verse 13, for example, it means ceremonial cleansing. The blood of bulls and of goats sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. But in other places, it is used in the sense of being made holy. It refers to the sanctifying work of Christ and those whom he sanctifies. It is used to speak of, of that sanctif sanctifying work, which is accomplished by the will of God through the offering of the body of Christ. That's in chapter 10 verse 10 and verse 14. You see, it's a word that is stamped on us. It is wrought by the blood of Christ, 1029. And to despise this work, as the writer would argue, is to grievously insult the spirit of grace. It's in chapter 13, verse 12, this work on sanctifying is said to be the very purpose for which Christ shed his blood and suffered outside the gate. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. In 13.12. In the familiar holiness text, follow peace with all men and holiness. 
Holiness here, the word there is hagiasmos. Hagiasmos is found 10 times in the New Testament, but only these ones in Hebrews. And when you look at the study of Hagiasmos, particularly in Paul now, and I mean to say Paul at this time, it has an ethical content. It's an experience that takes place in a moment of time, but holiness, holiness, agiasmos, is something we keep following after. Holiness is the life which flows from the experience. We're sanctified, then we live holy lives. Important for us to know that holiness is something we grow in. We don't grow into it, but we grow in it. That's important. It's able to save to the uttermost. And then we find the word perfection. The word perfection in Hebrews is also very significant. It's important. They have the idea of maturity, without doubt, as well as the idea of the experience of holiness. These are the words teleio and its related words. They are used to speak of perfection that the law could not accomplish. And of, that's in chapter 7, verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9, and chapter 10, verse 1. They are also used of the perfection to which Christians are to go on to. Chapter 6, verse 1. And that by God's grace. The word perfect in 11.40 refers to the privileges of grace under the new covenant, which the Old Testament saints could not enjoy in their lifetime. Three times. Chapter 2, verse 10, chapter 5, verse 9, and 7.28, the reference is to the perfection of Christ. The usage in that case indicates that the word as a content of meaning more than cleansing from sin, because Christ was sinless. So when you talk about perfection in terms of Christ, that has nothing to do with sin. Three times, one of those words is used to speak of spiritual grace in our hearts. He said in verse 10, verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected perfected for them that are sanctified, forever them that are sanctified. Perfected is in the perfect tense there. Something done in the past, but has a continuous effect. But when we look at it, them that are being sanctified, it's a present participle. It's a perfection wrought for men. It is wrought by the one offering of Christ. It perfects forever. But the present participle, the ones being sanctified, speaks of our continually being sanctified all the time. So there's an instantaneous aspect of holiness and there's a progressive aspect of sanctification. In chapter five, verse 14, we find the word teleios, which means finished, brought to its end, wanting nothing necessary to be complete. It is used to describe humans, men, women, adults, full-grown, of age, mature. 
the context also could indicate that this is a maturity in 514 that more than the experience we have. God uses figurative language to teach us divine truth. But here we see the idea of perfection in Hebrews. Now, we're not going to go beyond this today. We, in our second episode, which is the next one, that is part two, we'll be dealing with this a little bit more. But in the meantime, keep watchful, keep praying, and keep following the Lord. May the grace of the Lord be with us all. Amen. <laughs>